This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Happy Saturday. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a jam-packed show for you. I have a lot of things I've been dying to get on the air and uh, share with you this week. It's been a very interesting week. I'm running out of adjectives to describe um, life in this world. I suppose interesting is the best way I can say it. I'm sure you could picture a lot of different um, words or emotions I might be feeling. Um, it's been a it's been a tough week. It was made even tougher that I decided to walk down a crowded street this week um, in Dublin, uh, which had construction ongoing on it, and a lovely person was running and hit off me, and apparently when you someone hits off you and you try and go with it, you have to be careful where your limbs are, but I was stupid and left my hand out and proceeded to smash it against a wall, and I've been having a bandage on it this week, so if I've been slow to reply to messages or comments, it's because... I've been typing with my left hand, and I never realized how useless my left hand was. Um, I'm very pro-right-handed, and uh, imagine that, a right-winger who only uses his right hand. I'm sure you can fit a lot of puns in there. So, what do I want to talk to you about today? Well, first of all, before we get started with a few topics, and I have a great life and utopia question for you this week. You know, one of the honors and privileges I have with doing this show and been connected with the Blazes, people come to me and ask me lots of different questions. And I interact with everyone, whether you insult me, whether you demean me, whether you tell me I'm wrong, which a lot of you have done this year. A lot of you are not happy with some of the choices I've made and I've had some respectful dialogues and others have been not so respectful. But I've been asked the same question so many times over the course of this year. What are you going to do now? What are you? Go- this just happened, John. What are you going to do now? And I kind of feel like I'm living in Pinky and the Brain. If you're old enough to get that reference, it's it was a cartoon when I was growing up, and I loved it. And it was, you know, it was about two rats, and it started off the same way every show. It was like, "Gee, brain, what are we going to do tonight?" And brain would say, "The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world." 
and I, and I feel this way because I've been asked that because you're connected with the Blaze and because Glenn is a friend, I was asked that, you know, oh, my God, you know, it's the election, it's 2016, who are you going to back? What are you going to talk about? Then my boss, Glenn Beck, came out and endorsed Ted Cruz and it was like, oh, are you going to get on board with Cruz? Are you going to endorse him? Are you going to support him? Then it was like, Cruz lost. And it was like, oh, Cruz lost. What are you going to do now? Then it was Donald Trump won the nominee and became the nominee and went to Cleveland. Uh, what are you going to do now? Are you going to get involved the Trump train? And are you going to stand with Glenn Beck? Are you going to do this? Are you gonna, what are you going to do? And then this week it happened all over again because last Friday, Ted Cruz came out and while people are saying it was an endorsement, he has come out and supported him. He didn't use the word endorsement, and then he was on Glenn Beck's show on Monday, and it got interesting, and everyone's like, what are you going to do now that Ted Cruz has endorsed Donald Trump? You know, what are you going to do? And it's like, how many times do I have to tell people what I'm going to do? The answer is the same. The answer has been the same since I launched this podcast on The Blaze last July. It is the same as it was in January, it is the same today, and it is the same since before I did a podcast on The Blaze, when I did a podcast for other networks, when I was writing for different websites. The ambition I have is still the same. Because here's the thing, you can all talk about politics all day long, you can talk about the economy, you can talk about Supreme Courts, you can talk about tariffs and jobs and money I'm going to continue to do as I have always done and that is to speak about God through faith, not religion, faith I'm going to talk to you about the trilogy of freedom, the declaration of independence, the constitution and the bill of rights and why I believe still to this day they are one of the best if not the best versions of human writing ever created and i'm going to talk to you about american exceptionalism i'm going to talk to you quite simply put that america is not a landmass it isn't an economy it isn't the almighty dollar america is an idea and i don't know if you are sick of hearing it but i'm not going to stop talking about it until i get blue in the face or someone throws me into a gulag because when you study the history of the world, whether you want to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, or you want to start when Christ was crucified, or you want to start in, I don't know, a random 1000 BC, or you want to start at the 1700s, or you want to start in the 1900s like the progressives do, no matter where you start in human history, there has never been an idea quite like America. Here's the problem. The one thing I have realized this election is the amount of people who actually understand and appreciate and agree with this is a lot smaller than I thought. And we have, if you shared this a vision that America is an idea, and it is one of the greatest, if not the greatest idea that humans have ever come together and formed, we have a lot of work to share that view. I am going to share principles 
and values that made you exceptional. It is troubling to me, and I'm not judging or condemning these people. I get upset because I've, through my own ignorance, and I blame myself, of not understanding the world we live in and not understanding the America that is 2016. The amount of people who message me going, America isn't exceptional anymore. And then when I engage them, all they talk about is economics. Well, the dollar isn't what it was, the economy, you know, how can an economy survive with $19 trillion in deaths? And, well, you know, and I've heard this excuse that is coming out more and more. Well, John, you know, I, I get your view, but, you know, an American isn't any better than an Irishman. Let me tell you, if that's what your definition of American exceptionalism, you are 100% right. Here's the thing. I have never promoted those as American exceptionalism, and I never will. But we need to share our views. We need to share our values and our principles. Because, and I don't want to talk about this too much, but I, I watched the debate this week. I'm sure many of you did as well. I didn't watch it live. I was working and I was had an early start Tuesday. And there's a time difference, five, six hours. And I, I came home Tuesday and even my mother was like, are you not going to watch the debate? And I was like, I, I don't want to. And she was like, that'll be the first debate you've never watched. I'm usually the guy that's like, if if you could have like a debate of like, who... You know, Hillary says she's going to have this, you know, Secretary of Defense and this guy and Clint Trump said this guy. I'd watch that debate. That's how used to be interested I was. I'd watch anyone debate. It was the first time in all my life I never watched a debate. And then eventually on Wednesday, I started it. It was on YouTube and I said, oh, here we go. Because I saw all the opinions. I saw CNN. Clinton won. I saw uh, Fox News, Trump won. So I watched for myself. And I only got 15 minutes through. And those 15 minutes, my head exploded. And I'm bringing this up for a reason. If you've listened to this show for a long time, you have heard me either ask you or if not downright beg you to find where you stand on the issues. I never ask you anyone or anyone I have conversations with privately, whether you're Glenn Beck or anyone else. I don't want you to see the world the way I see it. I want you to ask yourself the tough questions and find out where you stand on the issues. And if that isn't the polar opposite of the views I have, I'm okay with that. If you listen to me and you become a stark raving socialist... I'm not going to agree with you, but I'm okay with that. That is your choice. I'm not going to demean you. I'm not going to insult you. I'm not going to condemn you. We will fundamentally disagree, but I'm okay with it. I would hope you don't come away with those views. I would hope you come away with something more like your founding father's views. But here's the thing. I watched 15 minutes of that debate on Monday night. And I watched Hillary Clinton and my head, I, 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 if you've seen pictures of me, you know I don't have much hair to pull out. I, I, I'm going bald is the nicest way to put it. And I wanted to pull my hair out. 
It was, I, I'm going to invest in you and the government and, you know, the government's going to do infrastructure and, and energy and clean energy and or the government's going to be great and the government has roles in contracts and, you know, we're going to have sick leave and maternity leave and education, free education and childcare and we're going to have fairer wages. And my head exploded because that's just flat out Marx from Marx. But Donald Trump, not to be done himself, went further towards Marxism than Hillary Clinton did, if that is possible. And he said three times in his opening statement, jobs are being stolen from us. Now, there might be some listening to me and, and say, I don't have a problem with that. Jobs are being stolen from us. Here is why I have a huge problem with that. Huge. Find where you stand on the issues. One of the reasons America was exceptional is because you had a right to own your own property. Before the Founding Fathers put in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and I know why they changed it, and I agree with everything they did to change it. There was life, liberty, and property. If any one of you listening decided tomorrow I am going to set up a Dunkin Donuts franchise I am going to set up a Ford manufacturing plant well you can't but a Ford sales plant and got the franchisee for that or you have this brand new revolutionary idea of a product no one has ever heard of and you set that business up that is not governments that is not America's that is not a state's that is your business you signed the title to your business. You signed the title to the land that you potentially have, whether it's a warehouse, a shop, or a manufacturing plant. You signed that title. It is yours. When you sign, if you go to the law, the office of patents, and you go to those clerks, you sign it. You own that idea. Whether it is a torch, or whether if it's some invention that you haven't hasn't been created yet, or a, ch a change on one and you've added an amenity to it, that is yours. If you believe jobs are being stolen from you, that means that the companies like Ford, because he Trump is using Ford as an example, that means Ford don't own Ford. The government owns Ford. You own Ford. If you believe that jobs have been stolen from you, we don't own companies. The government owns everything. Are you okay with that? Because that is not part of the idea of America that I love. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to get on board Trump trains or anybody else's train. I'm not going to talk to you about politics. I'm going to continue as I have done from day one on this show. I'm going to talk to you about the idea that is America. That exceptional idea. That unique idea. That idea that said, there is no limit to, to yourself in life. There is no limit. You want to go be a doctor? Be a doctor. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how much money you come from. You want to be a doctor? Go be a doctor. It's that dream that says, I want to own my own business. Well, go for it. There is no limit. Do it. There is no glass ceiling. Anyone that tells you is there is a glass ceiling is full of horse crap. And you can quote me on that. I'm going to find stories 
that promote these ideas, these principles, these values. Because here's the truth that you might not like to hear. This election is all about America, the landmass. Oh my God, the Supreme Court. Oh my God, if Hillary gets to elect a justice, imagine who she'll nominate. Yeah, because the Republicans have been so great on nominating judges. Hello and step forward, Judge Justice Roberts. That was a great one, wasn't it? He was full of steel and iron and he was a fire-breeding conservative, wasn't he? Oh, it's all about the economy and jobs. <laughs> you can debate I did the landmass of America all you want. I am more worried about the survival of America, the idea. That revolutionary idea that all men are created equal. You know, I hear Americans, even liberal, our liberal friends going, all men are created equal. Our founding father said that. They might mean it, or they might pay homage to it, or something. That is still a revolutionary idea in most of the world. It is a revolutionary idea that has not spread to the vast majority of this world, and even some of our industrial neighbours. You know, America's great ally, the United Kingdom. Can you truly logical, logically say they believe all men are created equal? Okay, so you believe all men are created equal. Explain the monarch to me and a king and a queen. Explain that logically to me. How you can believe all men are created equal. And then go, yeah, but I'm, I'm all for that queen. I love the queen. She's great. She's brilliant. America is the only nation right now who believes all men are created equal. America is the only nation that says you have a set of rights. And they don't come from a government. They don't come from a presidential candidate. They don't come from Trump. They don't come from Clinton. They don't come from Johnson. They don't come from Ted Cruz. They don't come from John Boehner, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, or anybody other bloody politician you want to mention. They don't come from a king or a queen. They don't come from a theocracy. They come from your maker, your creator, or God. These are some of the reasons America is exceptional. I don't know who I'm speaking to or if anyone shares this view of me. But I'm not going to change for anyone. I'm going to do everything in my power. Through this podcast, through any interviews I get, I'll go on to any show, whether you've got two listeners or two million listeners or ten million listeners like Glenn Beck. To share that vision, to share that hope. I don't care who's president. You could bet, you could dig up George Washington and science and, and get all the electrics and attach him to a battery and a monkey body. And you could say, that's George Washington. He's president now. What are you going to do? My answer would still be the same. I am going to continue to talk about the principles that made you an exceptional and unique nation. That is my mission. That is my goal. That is my ambition. Fears and joys and all included. What are you going to do? How are you going to change? And what are you willing to accept? 
And I'm when I say accept, I don't mean I'm not trying to change your vote. Oh God, John, you're you're you said something negative about Trump. You're going to cause him to lose the election, and and you're going to be responsible for Hillary Clinton, and and and, and you own it. No. If me speaking about the Constitution and the idea of America costs Donald Trump the election, well, then you might want to suggest not looking at me, but looking elsewhere for the problem. Because here's the thing, if your founding fathers were alive and, are, and living today, do you think they'd be talking about anything different than what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about who you vote for. That is your personal choice. I don't care. Vote for Trump, vote for Clinton, vote for Johnson, vote for Castle. I don't care. I am asking you, what are you going to accept? Are you going to accept where you have two candidates both talking about government involvement in business? Government involvement in saying how you should live and how your company should treat you? Are you going to be happy with your government saying, yeah, you, you know what, you, you're stealing jobs from us. That means government owns everything. Are you going to accept that? Because accepting it and voting for something because it's a lesser of two evils or whatever justification you have in your mind for the way you're going to vote is two different things. You can vote for Donald Trump and not like it, like Mary Ramirez who was on last week's show. This is what you have to decide. What are you willing to accept? Like I asked in a couple of shows ago, do you define your politics or does your politics define you? I gotta take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I apologize for my rant in the earlier in the show. As you can tell, I'm quite passionate and frustrated. I want to just share one last thought with you on this. There is a comment that I see, I get sent to me quite a regular, and I see it when people are arguing on social media, on both sides. And it drives me out of my mind. 
It's this team sport, this jersey. I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat. And you see it all the time. Well, you know, if Hillary Clinton gets elected, America's over. And, And the left talk about, well, if Donald Trump is elected, America is over. I've said this so many times on the show before, and I apologize if it's repetitive and annoying you, but it needs to be said. America is an idea. Yes, there's America, the landmass, the country, the currency, the politician, the almighty dollar. But there is more to America than a country and a landmass. You are an idea. You are a set of values and principles that are unique and exceptional in this world. Now, if you understand that there are two Americas, there's America the landmass and America the idea, how can you defeat an idea? And an idea cannot be defeated by an election result. If it could have been, if America the idea could have been defeated by an election result, do you not think it would have already happened? Because I love how it's now, well, if if you elect Trump, America's over, and if you elect Clinton, America's over, and if you elect Johnson, it's over as well. If you can defeat an idea by electing a president, what's why hasn't the idea been defeated before? It's not like you have two candidates right now and both sides think they're worth the worst ever and that's the end of America if the other gets elected. It's not like this is the first time it happened. It's not like the presidents up till now have been big believers in American exceptionalism and the idea that is America. Is there anyone who can tell me that Barack Obama believes in the idea of America that I talk about and that your founding fathers spoke about and founded? Is there anyone within the sound of my voice that thinks, yeah, you know what, Bill Clinton, he, he, he believed in the idea that John talks about? Is there anyone that thinks George H.W. Bush believed in the American dream that I talk about? How about Nixon? How about Carter? How about Ford? How about Lyndon Johnson? How about FDR? Good old internment camp himself. How about Woodrow Wilson? You think these presidents wouldn't have destroyed the American dream and the idea that is America if they could have? Why is it this election that is the decision of whether the America, the idea, survives or not? Politicians from the dawn of time in America have been saying, if they win, it's over. And sadly today, a lot of your people are going... It's over if if Hillary gets in. It's over if Trump gets in. It's over if they get in. Are you seeing a common theme? America, the idea, cannot be defeated by your economy. Oh, John, we're $19 trillion in debt. Okay, that might hurt the landmass. America, the idea, that does not stop. Because the only way you can defeat an idea is by getting people to either forget about it or so disillusioned they no longer believe in it. And when they no longer believe in it, they either die eventually or they stop sharing it with future generations. I ask you to ask yourself one question this weekend. Some homework for you. 
I ask you to look around at people and ask yourself, how many people have you, do you know, that have truly had the idea of American exceptionalism explained to them? And I mean in a real substantive way of why America is exceptional and unique. Because I'm starting to look at this myself and say, not very many. I can't imagine, I can count on my left hand the amount of places I hear about American exceptionalism. I can count on my left hand the amount of people, regardless of who's running or not, talk about the idea that is America and why it is unique and exceptionalism. I can count on my left hand the amount of people who talk about the Constitution, whether it is left or right in power. America is an idea. It will not be defeated by politics, by money, by the media, by wars, by armies. It will only be defeated when you give up on it. If we do nothing else, we must be the generation that inspires the next to believe in the American dream, to believe in the idea of America, to believe in those values, those principles that are time-tested, true, and work. It upsets me so in when I see America's not over. Or America's dead. Or America's over. I want to finish up by just saying one other thing. To those that right now have no hope. Where are you looking for hope? It troubles me no end when I hear Christians talking about not having hope today. And I've been talking to some pastor friends of mine this week, and I don't know how we change it. I do, but I don't know whether people are willing or if it will make a difference. But we need to be very honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, where are we looking for hope? As Christians, or my Jewish brothers and sisters, where are we looking for hope? Because today I see people looking for hope in people. Let me be very honest with you and I'll start with myself. If anyone listening to this show is looking to me for hope, please stop. Don't look to me for hope. I am a sinner. I am a deeply flawed person. And I have more flaws than most. Some will say I'm looking to Glenn Beck or Mark Levin for hope. I'd ask you to question that as well. Many are looking at their politicians. Well, if, if they have a nor beside them, they're my hope. They're my dream that they get into power and they do the right thing. May I humbly suggest, if you're looking for a hope from a man, you're setting yourself on a course and a journey for failure. Hope doesn't come from man. Hope comes from God. Hope comes from Jesus. Hope comes from principles. Hope comes from ideas. Ideas that are time-tested, eternal, and true. I don't know, let's name some of them. Oh, well, I wonder where we could go look for eternal rights that are true and that always work. Hmm. 
Oh, yes, the Bill of Rights. Oh, let's start right at the start. The First Amendment. I have a right to free speech. Of course you do. You have a right to say anything you want and no one should shut you up. I agree with that. Oh, how about another one? A right to assembly. Yeah, if you want to gather with your friends or people you like or don't like, you have that right. You have a right to freedom of religion. Hey, I want to be Catholic. Good for you. Go be a Catholic. I want to be a Protestant. Good for you. Go go be a Protestant. <gasps> now I'm going to get dangerous where everyone's going to disagree with me. <gasps> I want to be a Mormon. Okay, good for you. Go be a Mormon. But they're not real Christians. Once we're all we're all under, understanding of that, right? The amount of times people send that to me. By the way, that's one of my pet peeves. If you if you if you're doing nothing else and listening to the show and you you feel the urge, hey, I'm going to tell John Glenn's not real Christian. Please save yourself and myself some time. What else have we got a right to? I have a right to petition my government. Well, if you believe government works for you and people work for you when you put them in power, then yes, you do have that right. The right to free press. I know this is controversial today because certain people want to open the First Amendment and libel laws and if you report something irresponsible, we'll sue you. You have a right to be a free press. You, no one has the right to compel you to say something. It would be nice if we all said the truth and what we believed. But no one has the right to say, you have to say this. No, I don't. I don't have to say anything. If Glenn Beck, and I, and I say this because people apparently think I get talking points. If Glenn Beck sent me an email tomorrow or phoned me up and said, hey, you know what I want? This is what I want you to talk about this Saturday on your podcast. I'd be like, that sucks. I guess I have to leave the blaze. And yes, I would. If my bosses, who are not Glenn Beck, did the same, I'd be going, that sucks. And even if it was something I agreed with, you have to talk about the, the debate on Monday night, or you have to talk about the Constitution this week. I'd still leave because it's setting a precedent that I don't like. I have full control over this show. I have a right to do that. You have a right to listen or not listen. You have a right to share it with your friends. If you do, if you like this show, please consider it. But you also have a right to go, John sucks. You also have a right to get onto Facebook or Twitter and send me a message telling me how I suck, and I'm okay with that. You have those freedoms. You have a right to self-defense. You have a right to keep and bear arms. Because if someone bad comes to you, the only way that stops that is a good guy with a gun. You have these rights. This is what makes you unique. This is what we should have hope in. These principles that are true for everyone. And I don't mean, when I say everyone, I don't mean everyone on my side or everyone who believes in, who agrees with me or everyone who happens to have that or beside their name or that D beside their name. I mean everyone. Hillary Clinton has these rights. Barack Obama has these rights. Justice Ginsburg has these rights. You might notice there's a common thread there. I'm naming all the really bad people in America today. Harry Reid has these rights. Nancy Pelosi has these rights. And to prove I don't discriminate and hate just Democrats, John Boehner has these rights. Paul Ryan has these rights. Mitch McConnell has these rights. John McCain has these rights. They're not my rights. They're not your rights. They're everyone's rights. Because they don't come from government. 
They don't come from man. They come from your creator. Or if you're a Christian, God. That is where they come from. These are the values we must share with people. Because America at its core is an idea. We're the only people that can stop that idea working. By not sharing these values and principles with people. By not living these values and principles. By not sharing them with the next generation. And by understanding that it takes time. That the youth of today are indoctrinated everywhere they go. They're indoctrinated with their culture, with their music, with their movies, with their reality TV, with their education. What, five, six, seven hours a day going, America sucks, America sucks, America sucks, America sucks. It takes time. There's a reason people call it the tree of liberty. We need to share these values today so that in the future, it might take a couple of weeks, it might be a couple of months, or it might be 10 years that these trees can be grown and live. It is a tree of liberty. You, The amount of people I see engaging online who think, okay, here's a young person, they have all this indoctrination in their school and in their culture and in their friends and their peer pressure, and I'm going to have one conversation with you and a light bulb is going to go off and you're going to be the most freedom-loving person ever. Whether you're young or old, it's the same. It takes time. We need to start planting the seeds of liberty and then fertilizing them and helping them grow and nurture them and water them along so that one day, whether it's weeks, months or years down the road, they become full trees of liberty and that they may go on the same journey and help others. That is what we need to do. We need to share that idea, that idea that is America, that idea that is still revolutionary. And the sad thing about the world, this is how much work we have to do. I'm not trying to stress you out or annoy you, but this is how much work we have to do. America's founders, founding happened 240 years ago. And America is still the only country to travel that path. America is still the only country to travel that path. That is how much work we have to do. We need to be the generation that inspires, that educates people on real freedom that encourages them not when they fall for the first time that we all throw them under the bus but that we encourage them we we help them pick themselves up and find them on their way on their journey again and empower them because you can make a difference you can make a difference never ever forget that i'll be right back america don't go anywhere this is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 
Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we continue, I just wanted to say, if you didn't check out last week's show, please really consider it. It was an important show. I think it was talking about the heart. We have a serious heart problem and how we deal with people. And it was a jam-packed show. Um, we covered a lot of ground. And people have said to ask me privately, how can we get you to America? The best thing you can do for me won't cost you a penny. Please consider sharing the show with some of your family and friends. Uh, if you find it useful, that is. Um, my only hope ever with this show is to is to get you to think and maybe give you a bit of passion for your country because I think people who are passionate about America right now, the idea, um, are in short supply. And I'm here and I want to help. So if you could please consider um, sharing. It's free. It's available anytime. You can go back and listen to old episodes. Also, a few people asked me... Um, I've, I've had a few new listeners. Welcome to the show. What shows should I check out? What shows do I think you've done over the last year that are really good? If I could pick a couple, it would be one of the first shows I ever did, and then I did it during the year as well. It was when I compared the French Revolution, the American Revolution, the Irish Revolution, because you're going through the French Revolution right now, all those principles, and we need to change that. And then the other show is where I compared America I laid out Karl Marx's own words and his handbook. And I said, okay, here's what he wanted. And compared it to America today. There are a couple of episodes. Um, I geared this show so you can listen to it and go back and listen to old episodes anytime. I don't focus on the news of the day. I bring it up, but I do it in such a way, I think, to, that it's not focusing on the actual news. It's focusing on the underlying principles. But please, if you could consider, it's on SoundCloud, it's on iTunes, it's on Google Play Music. Please consider sharing with a friend or a family member. And uh, I would be eternally grateful if you do, and if you could subscribe. I wanted to try, I'm trying to find... Um, new ways to share messages with you and I've got a, a few things I've been talking about for a couple of couple of weeks now I've got some new segments planned I'm going to be honest with you they're not going to come before the election um, I've got some exciting things I want to talk to you about post-election but one of the things I'm trying to do is to share stories with you find principles and, and that I agree with that I think you'll appreciate and then give you an analogy, because it's easy to talk principles, but if I give you an analogy, you might just it might stick that bit better. And one of the things that troubles me the most, and some yeah, a friend of mine asked me this question the other day, she said, I was just with someone I haven't seen in a long time, and, and they said, my, my vote doesn't count. You know, how do I respond to that? And I hear this so much time, I'm only one person, John, what difference can I make? And I wanted to give you an analogy that I think is apt. And it's American. It's from American football. For those of you that don't know American football, the rules very quickly are you have a quarterback who throws the ball, you have a running back who runs the ball, you have a wide receiver who catches the ball, you have an offensive line that uh, protects your quarterback and your running back and tries to give you time. You have a defensive line from the opposite team who basically want to stop you and make you stop you getting catches. 
and the end, end of the ultimate goal of the game is to get into the end zone, score six points, and put the ball over a bar and get another point. Or if you can't do that, put the ball through the bar and get three points, and the most points wins. That's my very simple version of it. Here's the analogy. You have a role to play in life. I don't know what your role is, but it will be different for each and every one of us. Your role might be just to affect one person. Your role might be to be the best parents that you can and homeschool your children and lead them and nurture them and make them help them grow up on their journey and be freedom loving people. Your journey might be to be the best parents in the world and to get your son or daughter into the Marine Corps or into the Army or into the Navy. Your journey might be to help someone, either family member or friend, or just someone you know, to encourage them on their way. To encourage them to get into college, to be a constitutional lawyer. Your journey might be to be a teacher. Your journey might be to be a pastor. And to spread the good word from the pulpit. And to spread the principles. Your journey might be just to be active on social media and to engage with people and to share the news of the day and to give your opinion. Your path might be to be in radio or podcasting or writing, talking about the news of the day. There are not many, many roads that each of us have to travel. It's not just one way fits all and one glove fits all and we all just go down this road and if we all just do this one thing, America and the world would be a better place. I don't know what your journey is. At times I question what mine is. So why am I sharing this with you? Because I wanted to share a football analogy with you. So American football, you score points by getting the ball in the end zone, by running it or throwing it and catching it. Well, let's just say you have the best quarterback ever, ever created. Best ever. No one even disputes. Everyone just goes, that guy, best quarterback ever. He can throw a ball, rain, hail, or shine. He can throw it five yards, ten yards, a hundred yards. And he can just put it on a pin. Put it on a sixpence. Wherever he wants it, it goes. Okay. That's great. But here's the thing. We all need each other's help. We all need other people to do their thing, not just focusing on different things. Your job might be writing mine is podcasting, yours is in your church. We all play a role. My role is not more important than yours and vice versa. Let's say you have that great quarterback and he throws a perfect ball each and every time. Well, The great thing about American football is you can have the greatest quarterback and throw the ball anywhere you want. If you don't have a wide receiver to catch the ball, the greatest quarterback in the world is pretty useless. He can keep throwing them exactly where he wants them. If you don't catch the ball, hmm, tough. But let's just say you had the best quarterback and the best wide receiver. Well, then it becomes predictable that you're always going to throw the ball. So defenses are going to compensate. They're going to drop their safeties back deeper. They might drop their corners back deeper. 
they might even push their linebackers bit back a bit because they know you're not going to run the ball. You're just going to keep standing there and throwing it. Well, eventually, diversification is going to be key. You're going to need a good running back. But let's say you got a good running back. So you have the best quarterback, you have really good wide receivers are catching the ball, and you have really good running backs running the ball. Well, what happens if your offensive line is crap and they don't stop anyone? You can be the best quarterback at throwing the ball, but if the, the minute the play starts, you're on your back because the defensive line sacked you and got to you, it doesn't matter. You can have the best running back, best wide receivers, best tight ends, best quarterback. But if your offensive line sucks, you're not going anywhere fast. But let's go one step further. So we've got the best quarterback, the best wide receivers, the best running backs. And we've got a really good offensive line. And pretty much all the time you're scoring touchdowns. Well, you have to stop the other side of the ball. If you have a really bad defense, yeah, you might score a touchdown. But the other team will just come on and score a touchdown as well. And here's where I'm getting to a point. To focus on the little guy. The little things in life can change the world. You can have the best quarterback, the best wide receivers, the best running backs, the best offensive line, and the best defense. But throughout the course of a season, you're going to score, need to score points between the bar. You're going to need a really good kicker. If they miss points, if they miss the one-point conversion after a touchdown, or they didn't have quite a good successful drive, and you didn't get to the touch the end zone, but you were close, if they miss the field goals, you might lose. And all the kicker does is kick the field goals. He might only touch the ball three, four, five, six times a game. That's nothing compared to a quarterback or maybe a running back. But that role is still vital. But I'm not finished. Let's go one step further. And this is the last step of this analogy, I promise. You have the best quarterback, the best wide receivers, the best running backs, the best offensive line. And a good defense, and your kicker is really, really good. Well, there's going to be drives throughout the year that, you know, just don't quite go right. You know, you didn't get a touchdown, and you didn't get close enough to kick for a field goal. You're going to have to turn to someone, a punter. And they're going to have to punt the ball maybe a couple of times a game, on average, maybe, depending on how good you are. And if that person, despite how good your, your, all your offense is and all your defense is, if that punter doesn't kick the ball well, if he's kicking line drives and the receiving team is catching them and returning them back and getting great field position or getting a touchdown, it's pointless. That person might only touch the ball once or twice, which is nothing compared to the other players. But their role is so significant. That it can stop a great team. That one possession that they needed to score and they didn't. And their punter was crap. Each and every one of you has a role. We all can't be quarterbacks. You know, look at me. You think I could be a quarterback? 
<laughs> Me as a quarterback. <laughs> no. I did play football. I was a defensive end and I loved it. I loved hitting quarterbacks. But me throwing a ball and being a quarterback? <laughs> no. That, 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 uh, you're not drawing up a playbook to do, of success if you're wanting me as your quarterback. Me as a running back? Never. Wide receiver? I played wide receiver in a practice game once and I, I left after about five plays because I got annoyed. It's just a little funny story for you. I played it, and he said, you want to be wide receiver? And I went, huh, you, you look at me. <laughs> I, I don't have the physique that says, hey, there's John, wide receiver. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to do a little, we're going to have a little slots, and we're going to have you, and literally you're going to run five yards, and then you're going to cut to the side, to the sideline, and, and if you get the ball, go out of play. Just, you know, want to have a little quick offense, hurry up offense. I said, okay, we'll, we'll have fun. I can't remember how many plays. Maybe it was three, maybe it was four, maybe it was five. I got annoyed because they didn't throw the ball to me once. Shocker. And I just couldn't imagine running up and down the touchline and not having the ball throw to you. Especially if you're going deep. What I want you to do, John, is I want you to run 30 yards and I'm not going to throw the ball to you at all. But you still have to do it. My point is, that was just a funny story. My point is, we can't all be quarterbacks. We can't all be running backs. We can't even be on the defensive line or the offensive line. Your job in life might be to be that punter. And if you're looking at the stats, the punter's always down the end of the stats. You might think, ah, oh, it's, no, it's not significant. That punter didn't win them the game. You might not win the game for America, but if you don't do what you're supposed to do and play the role you have in life, you could cost America. We all have roles to do. We have to do them. But please, please, please never think, oh, I'm only the punter, John. I'm not important. I'm insignificant. Bullcrap. You are significant. You have a role to play. Now, please play it to the best of your ability. That is all anyone can ask of you. Please, please, please don't think you don't matter. You don't count. You can't make a difference because you can you always can make a difference. You can be a better person and help this world. Please never ever believe it. And if you ever see anyone online saying you don't matter, you don't count, you won't amount to anything, help that person. Encourage that person. Say, you can amount to something. It will take a lot of hard work and a lot of passion. And I will say this because we don't say it today, a lot of failure. It takes failure to understand what doesn't work and then to get better. You can make a difference. I don't know how you have to make a difference. I don't know your role in life. But you can and you will make a difference if you believe. And that is what makes a team. It's not just one player or two players. It's a whole team effort. And if America, the idea is to survive and prosper like it has never prospered before, which I still think is possible, with a lot of hard work, pain and sacrifice and suffering. But if we are to do this, it will be because we united as a team and each of us played our own individual role and supported others. Because here's the thing, finishing up my football analogy. What do you see people do if you've ever watched a football game? 
the reason I'm doing football is it's after other sports, but it's football season. What do you see people doing on the sidelines? You see them clapping. You see them encouraging. You see them consoling. When something doesn't go right in the field and a play breaks down, or something happens, or the opposition scores, you see people going around putting their arm going, it's okay, you'll get them next time. You can do it. Or when they make a big play, they're celebrating, they're cheering, they're fist pumping, they're clapping hands, they're hugging, they're going, yeah! You can do it. Each of us can do it. But we must console and, and help each other along the way and encourage other people when they do something good. That's great. Keep going. Come on, you can do it. Because the American idea is not over. God willing, it isn't even got started yet. I'll be right back, America, with life in utopia. Do not go anywhere. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu, Ted Cruz essentially endorsed Donald Trump when, you know, he was pretty much not going to. And uh, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And then he did. (laughs) He did. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? But a guy can change his mind. You know, he's not stuck in in cement. He will move if he needs to. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show has, if nothing else, maybe lit a bit of fire in your belly, giving you that bit of passion. Um, I started by saying what my plans were because they're always the same. I also do have a plan or a hope and ambition that. I didn't say it at the start, and I just wanted to say it, is that if you listen to my show and you listen to enough of my shows, that you get that passion, that you get the feeling that you're not alone, that you kind of, I don't know the best way to describe this without being an egomaniac, because I'm not, but, you know, if you listen to my show, I kind of would love to see, you know, you're six foot taller, you're stronger, you're, you know, you're, I can take on anything that you actually truly believe in that idea that is America and that you, you, you lose the inhibitions, you lose the, oh, America sucks, America's crap, that people and politicians and the media want to spin you today, that you listen to this show and you get away going, no, actually we are, we are exceptional and here's why. And that you have that love of country and if you if I can get you to love your founding fathers and your constitution that bit better as well, I kind of that is a uh, an ambition that I have because I love them tremendously, and if I can share that passion with you or anyone else, it it would be incredible for me. Whether it's one person or a hundred or ever how many. So we're at the end of the show, and I have a 
Grace, I'm looking forward to sharing this life in utopia. And I think, I hope you enjoy these segments. Um, we're also doing, in case you hadn't noticed on the show, we do the short stack state uh, segments where if you just want to listen to just a start, a segment of the show, the life in utopia will always be one of the short segments. We do too, um, just to help you in case you want to just a bit of a teaser and you can't listen to the full episode or there was something I said that was really important and you wanted to share it with someone. And the Life in Utopia is a segment I'm going to be doing for as long as you send in questions. And they can be about anything. About my life in Ireland, about me. The first two are focused on the blaze and my version of an American dream because they were questions I got quite a lot of. But I'm working down on them and some people have asked about Irish healthcare, Irish foreign policy. Uh, um, How does your government shape? How do people respond to government and how do they act? There's two questions for today's segment I want to tie together. One is, if you grew up in Utopia, what was it that woke you up or intrigued you about our way of freedom, is the first one. And the second one is, I wonder if I could ask you an introspective question. Your praise and love for America is evident. Do you think that comes in part from our relationship our two nations have had? What does the man on the street feel about America? I know Ireland's more socially liberal. But how would you say your views compare to those of your countrymen? And I wanted to share a story with you about my life and just kind of lump those two questions together. What intrigued you about our way of freedom? Um, I think the first thing was, ever since I've grown up as a very young child, there's been different issues going on in my life and I don't want to get to them on this show, but... I just never felt like I fully belonged. Um, I was kind of one of those people that you might actually hate if you were Irish. I never had a great love of country. Never thought Ireland was great. I never thought Ireland was brilliant. I was just Irish. Um, And I was very blessed when I was a younger child to, because my some of my elder family, my on my granny's side emigrated to America and and got their American dream we had family over there and when I was about 7 or 8 I can never find out the age to be precise um, my grandmother's sister who had lived there most of her adult life married a a man and had kids Um, well her husband was sick with Parkinson's and we had to go over and spend some time with her so I got to go to Clearwater, Florida flew into Tampa as a seven or eight year old who was impressionable and just fell in love with your country. And we went several other times to visit my great uncle. And just, I loved your country. And then as I grew up, um, technology also became better. So the internet came along and you, you, it wasn't just, you know, looking in encyclopedias and getting your, your own news about Ireland and sometimes England. You got more news, you got more views. And everything I knew... I I just didn't like about Ireland some of the things I didn't like the idea because I've worked from a very early age I was encouraged to work and be self-sufficient I had my first paid job when I was nine years old it was a summer job I worked in my in an office I can tell you exactly how much money I earned to this day I earned 70 pounds for a 40 hour week (gasps) child labour exploitation yeah whatever move along um and I, I grew up with the idea that, you know, you earn money, you, you get your life. And if you want a better life, you earn more money. And, you know, it, it taught me 
a lot of things from an early age because I only worked there in the summer. So, you know, the first summer I kind of blew my money. Um, and then the second summer I earned money because, you know, if I wanted a dandy or the Beano or match, you know, you know, kids magazines in the winter, I couldn't get them. I wasn't given pocket money. I had to save it. So it taught me budgeting and it taught me how to be responsible with money. And I just didn't like the idea of you going out to work, earning a lot of money and paying a lot of it in taxes. I was taught self-responsibility by my parents. I saw my parents work incredibly long hours, both my mother and my father. My father owned a business during the day, and he was a house manager of a concert hall at night. I saw my mother work in an office all day, come home and have dinner, and then go out to work that night, and never really getting ahead. And I just didn't like that idea. Now, there were reasons for it, but again, that's another day. And then I saw people going, you're from this class or from this neighborhood or you have this background, you can't do this. And I just, just, just disagreed with it. And I, I saw everything that I, and I saw in society and I go, I don't like that and I don't like that and I don't like that and I don't like that. And then I saw Europe becoming into power and telling you know farmers how to farm. And because my, f- my grandfather on my mother's side was a farmer and I spent a lot of time on farms and I, I lived down the country for a long time, I, I appreciate the farmer. I love the farmer. I love the 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 visions of the farmer, which I can get into another day. And I saw them telling you, oh, you can only have so many cattle per land and you can only have so many sheep per this. And if you don't do this, you can't have this. And I saw all these rules and regulations kind of going, I just don't like that. That's not right. It's, I didn't say this at the time because I didn't know the words, but that's just not morally right. And I disagreed with it. And what happened was, why America is exceptional is everyone can tell you what they don't like in this world. Everyone can... You go to the most educated Harvards, Oxfords, Cambridge, wherever. The most educated person you can find, he'll tell you what's wrong with him. You go to what you think is the dumbest, most ignorant person on the street, they'll tell you what they don't like and what they disagree with. But ask people what they're for and you might get an entirely different answer. So as I was growing up and I was hitting teenager and becoming older and becoming a young adult and the internet came along, I was able to explore. And because I moved, went to the States at a young age, I fell in love. And from a young age, I was like, I want to move there. (laughs) I want to move there. It's everything that's there is nice. But that was all superficial. I loved the sun in Florida. I loved the heat. I loved the accent. I loved the way of life. I loved the freedom. Then as I became older, I researched. And my first election that I really followed was Bush versus Gore in 2000. And I heard people talking about an electoral college. And I thought these were people who just sat in a college kind of going, well, I vote for Bush and sod the people. And then I learned more about the Constitution. And and then I learned why your founding fathers put that into place. And then I learned more and more about the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. And as I learned more, it was obvious I was a Republican. Freedom, less taxes, less government. Just basically saying, you can do what you want in your life. Good or bad, you can do what you want. But you're also responsible. It's up to you to chart your own course. I love that. And then technology got better. And then around 2000 can't remember the years. I'm dreadful at looking back on time. It's so long ago. But we got Fox News on the telly. 
and I was this is actually in the early 2000s we got Fox News because I remember the old lineup. it was I used to watch uh, Cavuto at 9 o'clock then later on I used to watch Glenn Beck at 10 and then during the night I would record O'Reilly and Hannity and Combs and watch them the next day and then as technology got better again podcasts became available and I was able to listen to Mark Levin on podcast then I was able to listen to Glenn Beck on podcast and then he created his own network and then I was able to buy a subscription on my iPad so technology helped the journey but I kind of knew I loved America from about 7 or 8 years old from the minute I stepped off that plane I loved it because it led me on a journey to say I'm, I, yeah I don't like all these things A, B and C but this is what I'm for I'm for the Constitution. I'm for God. I'm for American exceptionalism and all the principles and values that go against it. All men are created equal. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to petition your government. You have a right to defend yourself. Now to the second question. Does it come in part from our relationship our two nations have had? No. Absolutely not. What does the man on the street feel about America? Depends what America. If you're talking about the America that Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Ted Kennedy, Barack Obama, they love them. Bill Clinton is a semi-god in this country. Hillary Clinton, not so much. Ted Kennedy, absolutely lovely. When Ronald Reagan came to Ireland... uh, who cares? Warmonger. How does the man on the street feel about Ireland or about America? Well, firstly, they love them because you provide a lot of money for the Irish economy because of tourism. Because all Americans, I love Ireland, it's brilliant, it's great. I have leprechauns and Guinness and all that type of stuff and people come over, you provide a lot of money so they don't criticise you too much. When it comes to politics, they're very liberal. They want more government. They want more and more and more. Um, they also don't like some of you. Um, they don't like... They wouldn't look too fondly on... Yeah, if a big Texan came. Um, they, they'd probably call him a loudmouth yank and say, where is he going with that You know, 10-gallon hat? And they don't like the South or traditional conservative areas. Um, they would probably say something like Obama did if you saw a load of people who might listen to the show, your Bible-clinging, gun-clinging, um, conservative ratbags. They'd say something along those lines, or whatever Obama said. And they'd agree with that, and they'd celebrate it. Um, but they don't like... They think George Bush is a warmonger. Uh, they thought Ronald Reagan was a warmonger. Um, they don't like... They think it's an attack on poor people when you don't help them through government programs. Um, I know Ireland is a more socially liberal country. How would you say your views compared to those of your countrymen? I would say there's about five of people who share any way semblance of my views. And I know a couple of them. Um, I wouldn't say, with the greatest respect, I'd say I'm for probably a lot more right-wing than even the people I know and others. Um, I don't know many people who talk about what I talk about from even anywhere in Europe that is sad you, are we a socially liberal country? absolutely but we're, it depends on what liberal you talk about 
Liberal in America, yes. Classic liberalism, no. We like government. The last election we had was several months ago, and there was actually a poll done on voters as they left the booth. And there was a question put to them because there was a a surplus in the budget potentially coming up. And they said, which would you prefer, a tax cut for workers or more government spending? I think it was about 60, 60, 40 said more government spending. It was actually one of the reasons the government lost because they bet on because of um, bad the bad economy for several years. They kind of felt workers would say, I want more more my own money to control my own future. Actually, it turns out the electorate didn't. They wanted more government spending. They want more services. The reason for this is because it's what we've taught. It's what we've been growing up with. Ireland is a very socialist country, true and true. The government is involved in everything. It tells businesses how to work, kind of like you. We have a a government-owned transport service through buses, through trains, um, government infrastructure, government-run hospitals. Um, One of the big policies that's coming along in Ireland at the minute is free GP care. So you can go to your GP anywhere you want. It's going to be a disaster. I'll talk to you about that. There is a question on healthcare. I'll deal with that at another date. Um, Government-owned one of the biggest networks in Ireland. It's called RTE. Um, it's propaganda. It's all pro-government. It's all on the government paid for. Um, it's not quite Russia today. Um, it has a bit more credibility than that, but it's not independent whatsoever. Um, you have Irish government-run um, airplanes. If you've flown to Ireland, you might know of a brand called Aer Lingus. That is currently owned by the state. And... There are people in the state who actually want to sell their share to make money and there is outrage because you can't sell the the state-run transport. That that would be a disaster. That wouldn't be good for competition. These are the voices that you have. We have government-run, they have peats where you get peat moss um, and bogs. They're all government-run. You have government involved in a lot of business. You have government-run energy companies. Everything, government has a hand in every industry that you can pretty much imagine and those the industries that they don't they are heavily regulated and there are people who are in my family who are in certain businesses who don't think the government goes far enough and wants more regulation but that's a question for another day this is that was my journey my journey was simply put knowing something wasn't right finding america technology getting better and finding out this is actually what i stand for and I will say this, I'll just add this as well. People say, you know, America's not exceptional, you're not better, you're not this, you're not that. One of the reasons I fell in love with your country from an early age was your people. There is something inherently more friendly about America. There is something more inherently better. Not that you're better and you look down on other people, but you're more... Well, you used to be. You used to be better help, you know, helping. There was a bigger sense of community. You weren't as guarded about your neighbours. Every time there was a disaster, you'd put your hands in your pocket. Personally, not your government. But you had that passion about you. There's something... I, I love the South in America. I say this all the time. There's a reason I want to move to Dallas. That is my, if I ever get to America, that's where I'm going. It might not be Dallas, but it'll be Texas. And if it's not Texas, it's somewhere down down south. Just more laid back, country people, good, honest 
brokers. No spin, no BS, no I'll say one thing and do another. Just good, honest people. And then as I grew up and I started speaking out and starting help, trying to help, you've all accepted me. I get hate, I get hate for being collected with Glenn Beck, I get hate for my opinions, I get hate for not jumping on a train. But the vast majority of your people are good. You know, it would have been so easy to go, an Irishman, what does an Irishman know about the Constitution? Get lost. You don't. You welcome me. You, you treat me as one. The interactions I have with so many of you and on social media and email, it's, I'm like one of you. I'm, I, you call me your brother at times. That is unique. That is exceptional. I wish it wasn't. I wish the whole world was that way open. But you've accepted me as one of your own. That is one of the reasons you're unique. Each and every one of you, your people. You've made me enjoy every time I've been there. I've never touched wood, had a bad experience in America. I've had some bad incidents. But every time there was a bad incident, it was immediately followed by someone good helping me out. Because you didn't care where I was from. You didn't care I wasn't an American. You didn't care... About my income or my education you just went and helped me that is one of the reasons you're exceptional one of the many many reasons this is why I love America that is why I love it today and also because I'm jealous you have documents you have a trilogy of freedom your declaration of independence your constitution your bill of rights which has never been repeated you stand for rights that not many people even understand, that alone can stand for, for the rest of the world. This is my story. I was asked it, so I said I'd share. I hope I haven't bored you too much. But that's my way of finding freedom, and that is my view of America. And sadly, Ireland doesn't view it, America, the same way I do. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you wouldn't mind, please, please, please consider sharing it with a friend of your or a family member or someone you think might appreciate my view on America. That is the best way I can potentially get over there soon. Until next week, America, I finish this show the way we finish it all the time. I salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. Those are the real heroes in society, the men and women who risk it all 24-7 so each and every one of us can be free. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever give up. Never, ever think America sucks. Please find your hope. Please find your way to act. And never forget what the Toadville said. America is great because America is good. Until next week, America, God bless you and God bless America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 